I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, folks. Our Wimbledon coverage this year is sponsored by Local Tennis Leagues, the home of friendly, competitive tennis in the UK. With over 10,000 players in local tennis leagues up and down the country, it's never been easier to find someone locally with a similar ability to have a hit with. It really is tennis on your terms, competitive and with total control of when and where you play over eight week rounds. It's also a fun way to get fit, meet new people, make the most of your local park or tennis venue and get those competitive juices flowing. And it's absolutely open to all standards. You just need to be 18 or over to play. So whether you're at the beginning of your tennis journey like me or a master on the court like me, there's something for everyone. Once you're signed up, there's also the chance to win prizes, play for points and receive a free tube of tennis balls just for playing your matches. You also get a host of other great benefits, including access to the Wimbledon ballot. So what are you waiting for? Join local tennis leagues today at www.localtennisleagues.com and use our exclusive checkout code weekly50 in capitals for 50% off your £18 entry fee. That's www.localtennisleagues.com weekly50 at the checkout. The link is in the description. So get ready to play some friendly competitive tennis on a court near you. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim on today's Wimbledon Round 2 catch-up sponsored by local tennis leagues. Andy Murray gets served out by John Isner. Emma Raducanu gets overpowered by Caroline Garcia. And Katie Balter takes out last year's runner-up, Karolina Pliskova. Kim, today is the 30th of June and we are here to catch up on round two at Wimbledon at Tennis Weekly HQ. We've had another exciting couple of days at SW19 and you are back at Tennis Weekly HQ, which is very exciting. I know you've been watching Rafa, been in the queue as well. Is it nice to feel at home or would you or would you rather be back out in your, in your tent? I'm not going to lie, as tiring it is, as it is, I would love to be queuing and camping again. It, it's, it's, it's seriously an addiction. You, you get there and you just... Is it just, like your own Glastonbury? It. Do you just... Is it your own your It's own better than Glastonbury, world? Joel. It's way better than Glastonbury. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's... You only get about four hours sleep, so it is incredibly tiring. And I mean, you're really selling, you're really selling it to me already, Kim. <laughs> There are people who do it every night for the, for a whole week. And I mean, kudos to them because I, I go home and mm. have like a night off in my own bed in between. But yeah, I would love to be queuing and camping for Rafa's next match, but I'm not. I think I'm I'm stopping at his first two rounds. Um, I'm going to try and catch up on sleep for the, the rest of the week. <laughs> but I, I'm hoping to go back on Sunday, but just on a grounds pass. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Wimbledon queue. I know you're not, Joel. You you love your um, <laughs> you know your your hospitality. I think you're doing. Yes, on the weekend. I know. I know. What is this? I know, listen, I know, right? Well, it's a very nice Christmas and birthday present all rolled into one. So um, yeah, I will hopefully be on some balcony somewhere on middle Sunday. Maybe I'll be looking down at you in the in the grounds pass um, section on you know on the main site. Um, but no, yeah, it's going to be very exciting for me. I've got number one court middle Sunday, first ever middle Sunday. So historic occasions. It's great to be there. But yeah, really, really interesting how on the show we've got kind of one end of the spectrum with you in your in your tent, in your queue. And yeah, I'm at the other end of the spectrum in the uh, in the hospitality. And I, I feel like for listeners, you know, there is a duty here that we cover like the full <laughs> range. And, you know, if you want to do the Wimbledon queue, Kim, that's absolutely fine by me. I will, I will bear the brunt of it and take the plunge into hospitality. Can you smuggle me out a couple of pims then? At the very <laughs> least, I think I deserve that yes. for all yes. my exploits in the queue. I mean, fun, funnily enough, um, 
maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but one of my friends um, has been making money out of Wimbledon because uh, they uh, you have these like reusable Pims cups, right? And you, you're supposed to return return the glass or, or the, the plastic cup. You get your deposit of one pound back uh, if you take the, the, the glass back. Um, but he was going around at the end of the matches, um, you know, gathering up everyone's discarded <laughs> plastic cups but they oh, they've just meat, left under meat. their seats and taking them back to the bar to get like 50 quid's worth of deposit money back so he's sort of paying for his tickets um back you know getting the money back through this kind of I mean, times, deposit are, times recycling. are tough, Kim. Yeah, you... Times are tough, Kim. People so, need to find you know, their way to make their money. If if the tennis is a bit boring on the weekend, I might <laughs> I might just try and, uh, you know, do a bit of wombling and, and you know, tidying up and get some get some money that way. <laughs> I mean, just, just before we do go on to tennis, I mean, quite honestly, how was the queue experience for you? Because, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last few days about the queue and attendance numbers and it not feeling like there is as many kind of people experiencing Wimbledon what was the what was the kind of point of view from being in the queue you've obviously done it before in years gone past how did it compare to other years you've been there yeah eerily quiet so usually I would get there like you know um say Monday morning and for camping for Tuesday like to get centre court but this year you can rock up about you know, nine ten p.m. on like just the night before, or even later, and and you you're guaranteed basically to get centre court. There's not even you know five hundred people there, so numbers much much lower. A lot of people saying that's the lack of Roger Federer because you know a lot of his diehard fans normally are found in in the queue like camping out to see him. Um, cost of the tickets has gone up. The show court tickets are sort of, I would say, a good twenty quid more per round that they have been previously. And just, I guess, cost of living um, or the train strikes probably didn't help. So I think a lot of factors COVID. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. been very. I mean, the weather's quiet. also, I think, been a, a maybe a factor. And and also, I think, you know, we've got middle Sunday as well, so another day on the mm. weekend. So again, I feel like it's there's not just one thing. It feels like it's a combination of of things. But it's certainly, I think, something that. Wimbledon will will look at and reflect on you know at, at the end of the tournament in terms of I mean they're still averaging great numbers in terms of you know daily attendances but I think to keep that buzz going and to get it up to where it was before they might need to think about how they you know look at that I mean particularly as well given if this is certainly down to something like the Roger Federer or lack of Roger Federer effect well I mean scarily think about the lack of Roger Federer Rafa Nadal Andy Murray, who, you know, are coming to the end of their careers. I mean, it, it could just be we're going back to what is normal as a and you know, the last decade or so, we've actually been having very, very above average numbers because of all of these star players turning out every year. That is true, because the queue did definitely get a lot busier, I would say. Uh the mm. Andy Murray effect, a lot more people coming for grounds mm. passes, um, a lot of perhaps you know not real diehard tennis fans you know I definitely felt there was a big increase in kind of the casual fan and maybe those sorts of people have kind of dropped off now that you know Andy's not at the top of the game and you know the likes of Federer and the gradually it's going to change and perhaps yeah it's just going to go back to how how it always was and you know if it means that it's a bit easier for queuers and campers to get what the tickets you know the tickets they want then that's great as long as they don't get rid of the queue altogether because I think it is a very uh, accessible way of of getting the tickets sort of um, I mean not accessible in the sense of you know it's not you know, not everyone's up for doing it, but um, it means you can get premium tickets, the best seats in the house, just by turning up, you know, the day before the morning of. It's it's great. You know, I will say, though, you know, they have been doing these digital restocks online, uh, you know, what seems like every every day, which is a very much feels like a very much a first, you know, for, for Wimbledon in terms of that accessibility to show court tickets, um, you know, during the, you know, during the event itself. And, I I find that interesting because I think one way to increase attendance is get rid of the rule around you know one pair of tickets per household because I I feel like I've seen fans on social media be a bit frustrated by the fact that that kind of rule is still in place and I feel like there are fans itching to go and and pay more money to get 
you know show court tickets but they can't because of previous rules around you know being limited to you know one pair of ticket per per household so um again might be things to look at in the future but uh you know we'll see how that develops but let's let's move on to the tennis and we'll start with all the action from today day four it's been a you know it's been an interesting round I feel for the Brits because you know, we'll come on in the second half to talking about you know, Andy Murray and you know Emma Raducanu but uh you know today we have had some great success haven't we and in and I think in in unexpected unexpected areas you know we've had Liam Brody win against Diego Schwartzman we've had Heather Watson come through overnight today against Chang Wong but on centre court we had Katie Balter against last year's runner-up Carolina Pliskova. Now, Balta did beat Pliskova last week in Eastbourne and, well, she beat beat her again today. 3-6, 7-6, 6-4 in the third. Yeah, it was was a great performance from Balta. It was a performance that it reminded me of her situation she was in last year when she came very, very close to another highly ranked player, Sabalenka, but just wasn't able to get over the finish line. But Today, she didn't blink and was able to get the victory. Yeah, and going into this, I thought I thought she had a good chance, given the fact that she mm. beat Glishka for last week. But, you know, to do it at a Grand Slam on centre court in front of your home crowd on, on a big scale is, is very different to getting a win at, you know, a warm-up event. Um, but the, the, so the fact that she was being able to get you know two wins out of two essentially it's mm. just fantastic and you know she got off to a, a cracking start um when a break up immediately and then Pliskova pegged her back and and then broke and got that set and you thought oh you know missed opportunity there for Katie but to give her her due she she stuck with Pliskova all the way took that impetus in the tie break I think she went four love up and you know managed to kind of maintain that um grab that second set and then broke and served it out I mean what what a match point as well it's a fantastic way to end the match mm. got it getting it done on her first match point I thought from the word go she looked really on it you know really hitting well uh very focused she definitely you know I feel like with Pliskova she's one of those players that doesn't give anything away emotionally and she has a very sort of languished sort of style doesn't she around the court she also and- did know where said court was because <laughs> she I don't know if you saw her entrance she went left. There's a new entrance this year where you just go straight. <laughs> and she was like all very serious looking, serious face, serious face, going onto the court. And she turned left. And then Bolter was like, uh, you've gone the wrong way there. And then there was a bit of a <laughs> there was a bit of like awkward laughter, Pliskova coming back onto the court. So <laughs> you know, you know, it was quite a quite a funny quite a funny opening, uh, given the yeah, the entrance that happened. I missed that because I was I was in the in the stands <laughs> itself, so I missed that like pre uh, preamble. But um, yeah, I, th- I feel like you know Katie Walter's personality kind of shone out in comparison with Pliskova. Like she was really engaged, really on it, um, and I you know I thought she she absolutely deserved deserved the win. And I mean Pliskova was cracking out some like, massive serves at times. You know, there were a few games that you couldn't really do an awful lot, but but then her serve did falter. Uh, she threw in a few doubles here and there and and Katie was just able to to get on it and, and break at that, you know, the, at the very end really and then, then serve it out. So real really, you know, composed as well at the end, um, I thought. Um considering, you know, like you said, that Sabalenka match last year, I think she's obviously learnt from that experience, which is great. I mean she's such a talented player and I feel like you know, injuries have obviously set her back, but you can see on the big stage, like you know, other Brits, um, she really kind of rel- you know relishes that opportunity, and she feels right at home on on centre court. And you know, another reason this you know this win was was so you know emotional and, and powerful for her was she revealed in in the you know the the post match ceremony on court that her grandma had died a few days ago. So, you know, having that, you know, in your mind as well, just sort of being able to kind of block that out and focus on the, you know, the match again, I think just showed the mental toughness of Balta. Because I think if she had lost this and, you know, this this news would have come out, then, you know, it would have been very easy, I think, to say, you know, that's fair enough. That's a really hard thing, you know, to deal with and, and to process, particularly in the kind of the immediate reaction from it. But um Again, it was just very emotional when she brought that out and it adhered her to the fans very much. And um, again, it was it was a way, I think, of, of showing 
yes, it's a very emotional moment, but it was impressive how she was able to keep that to one side during the match and then let it come out in those tears in the uh, the ceremony afterwards. Yeah, I mean, perhaps that, you know, actually helped her in this match, mm. you know, gave her that sort of inspiration as, as it so often can do. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously really sad news and hopefully she can channel that um and and sort of let her her tennis shine and as a way of you know i guess um in in memory of her grandmother and i do want to know kim i saw her on court for alex de menor versus jack draper i do want to know who she was cheering for i'm assuming it was alex de menor which is her boyfriend but jack draper british tennis you know is that oh i'm not sure which way i would go there (laughs) i would assume she was going for alex de menor (laughs) but i'm sure if he had have lost she you know they they would have been like silver linings Mm. like to lose to a brit but yeah unfortunately they they were in the um they were in the draw they they were going to play mixed doubles together but they didn't actually get into the they would they unfortunately didn't make the cutoff but that would have been a nice pairing i think to see see on court we don't normally see many kind of boyfriend girlfriend relationship mixed doubles pairing so that would have been quite fun to see i think but uh unfortunately wasn't able to happen but who knows maybe we'll see it at a grand slam in the future yeah and perhaps you know they're, they're obviously doing they're both doing well in the single so mm. perhaps they don't need the mixed doubles <laughs> to get in the way they've got other stuff to focus on um but yeah she i mean Katie Boulter is not the only British player in the third round because we also had uh, Heather Watson uh, coming through against Chong Wong. Her match was delayed over from Wednesday, so she had to come back and I think just essentially play like one game um, today to get it done. I feel like Heather Watson probably was the only person probably had a worse sleep than you in a queue <laughs> in a tent because she she served for the match yesterday and got broken got broken back and I think a lot of people who followed Heather Watson over the years are thinking oh god is it is this, is this happening again she had a moment she's missed her opportunity but again this new belief from from Watson just getting it done in that first game was just again just so impressive about how she bounced back probably didn't get much sleep but just ended it straight there and then within five minutes really really good and um into the into the third round which for for Heather Watson is a a great achievement given you know some of the players she's had to play over the last few days. Yeah, and she, both of her matches have been delayed over, so she sort of had mm. to essentially be on court every single day. Um, <laughs> and I feel like is this the first time she's been back in the third round since she had that match against Serena mm. back in the day? Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, I think she's the deepest she would have gone. So I mean, really fantastic. It's the deepest in a while. Yeah, who needs who needs Emma Raducanu when we've we've still got <laughs> Heather Watson, you know? Um, so nice surprise. And I mean, on the men's side, Liam Brody is in the third round as well. Um, he had a fantastic win today against Diego Schwartzman, the twelfth seed, uh, five set victory against Diego Schwartzman. Uh, this is Brody's, I think, first time into the third round at any major, and I think really nice, especially because they played each other this time last year um at the same round i think i was at the last two sets of that match um and you know brody lost so the fact that they got to replay this year and the you know result came out the other way you know liam liam lost that third set six love so to come back you know clutch that tie break in the fourth set and then resoundingly go to a 6-1 win in the fifth i thought that was just fantastic yeah, he lost 11 straight games against Schwartzman. And when you're two sets to one down against you know, a player as wily as, as Diego Schwartzman, you don't necessarily expect them to come back from it. But um, yeah, Liam Brody, I think you know, he admitted in his interview afterwards, he changed up his tactics. He felt like he was going to the backhand a bit too much and he was losing points. So he focused more on the Schwartzman forehand and ultimately it played real you know real dividends for him and uh you know another player like heather watson who's just going on a, a great run at wimbledon and into the you know the third round as a wild card so you know really really impressive stuff you know diego schwartzman yes this is not you know this is not clay court tennis this is on kind of the grass courts but you know for brady to get that done in in five sets and the way he came through in that fifth set as well just carrying on that momentum from the tie break very very good win yeah court three crowd definitely treated to a great match Mm. there um i was able to hear it from center so i knew things were going well we could hear a lot of noise outside kim you told me 
that Schwartzman had been burgled. Was it uh, um, East? Was it Eastbourne? Well, yeah, I saw something on Twitter. I hadn't heard about this, but I was just having a look on Twitter early, and apparently he had some money stolen from a, a hotel mm. room in Eastbourne, like ten thousand dollars worth of cash. But I mean, this is just tennis Twitter. I I haven't really seen any sort of credible Who's reports carrying that, mon- that amount of money around <laughs> on a, in, a, in a hotel room yeah well i mean i don't know yeah um that's that's a whole <laughs> other story but um <laughs> i mean talking of british wildcards though you know we had liam brody i did watch a bit of alistair gray on court 12 to start my day off today he was up against taylor fritz so i watched the first two sets of that and i was really entertaining match um alistair gray did, did really well he actually served he kept going a break cup didn't he and then yeah loses. Uh, and he actually served for the second set, but, you know, wasn't able to, to get it done. And then Fritz managed to get the second set on a ridiculous point. And he sort of fell over as he was hitting it back and it, it landed in. And, you know, it was it was great. I think Alistair Gray was celebrating. I don't mm. I don't think that's going to that's going to end up, I feel, in like highlight reel <laughs> or yeah, like never celebrate too early YouTube clip compilations for years to come. Yeah, don't don't celebrate till the fat lady has sung or, or whatever. But um, yeah, really, really, you know, entertaining what I saw of that. And, and Gray, I think, should be proud of, of his performance and you know, getting to the second round as a wild card. So good on him. Um, we'll get on to the other British uh, players in action uh, from yesterday a bit later on. Um, but yeah, what, what else have we had today, Joel? We had a certain Rafael Nadal, who I may or may not have camped uh, out overnight to see. <laughs> he came through in four sets against Ricardus Barankis. Wasn't Rafa's finest performance by any means, but um, the fourth set, he definitely upped his level uh, after dropping the third. But, you know, th- I think the main thing with Rafa is that he's he's getting the job done in, in each match. It's, you know, he's playing his way into the tournament, hopefully. And, you know, he said it's afterwards, you know, it's very much a process. You know, he hasn't played on grass in the last three years. So he's just sort of trying to improve with every day, you know, every practice, every match, which I think is the best attitude to have at this stage. Yeah, I think he was pretty honest in his you know, assessment um, on court because he was just like, I need to improve. Um, you know, he hit 39 unforced errors um, against Barankis in the Barankis match. And that's not a number, you know, that's not a typical number of unforced errors you obviously associate with Rafa. But at the same time, as as you said, I feel, you know, with these rounds, yes, he is he is dropping sets. And I think to some people that's a bit unexpected. But if you put it in the context of, you know, where he's come from in terms of like grass court tennis and, and best of five grass court tennis, and the fact that he's played next to nothing of that, you know, of that sort over the last, I think, three years. You're, you're right. It's it's very much a case of of survival, I think, in the earlier rounds. And I think the more he gets into the tournament, that's that champion's mentality. I think will start to you know start to give him the edge more. And I think particularly in this sort of tournament where there aren't as many star names because of various reasons, like you know Wimbledon banning Russian Belarusian players or players having to pull out because or, or choosing to withdraw because they have covid i'm expecting to see some you know first time fourth rounders first time you know quarter finalists and i think you know if if obviously nadal can get to that stage into week 2 i think that's where his you know champions mentality the fact that he's been there so so many times before is really going to come to the fore particularly at this wimbledon given some parts of the draws are just so so open given the you know the lack of some you live in the lack of some high profile players there i just think it's going to be yeah a case of just getting through but um he's got lorenzo sonigo next who again will be quite tricky for him because he's got quite good I feel like he's got quite a good game for for grass court tennis so that i don't think is going to be particularly easy either yeah, Sonna goes decent on a grass court, actually. So I think that mm. will definitely be a step up. But um, I'm hoping that what what you've said, you know, like Rafa will just play his way in. Mm. You know, he's done it before. We've seen that. And I think that's kind of, you've just got to get through these early rounds, haven't you? And, and hopefully, um, you know, with every round you're improving. Um, like you said, um, there have been withdrawals due to COVID. Roberto Bautista Agut is the latest uh, to withdraw with COVID, which means that his opponent, Daniel Galan uh, of, I think, Colombia, 
is into the third round, he will play Brandon Nakashima. So like you said, first time, fourth round uh, for either of those two. Um, Nakashima beating Denis Shapovalov, last year's semi-finalist in four sets. Uh, mm. Shapovalov really not having a great um, time of it at the moment. I think he's lost seven of his last eight matches. Uh, so not not great for Canadians with Felix losing no. in the first round as well. And Andrescu as well. Yep. It's 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 been a completely uh yeah, non-event really for for Canadians particularly in the in the singles um at Wimbledon this year. Please for Nakashima though because I think he, you know, he's a young player that I'm sort of got mm. my eye on watching him come up and I I'm pleased that he's, you know, got this win and I hopefully he can go as deep as as possible. I watched him at Surbiton, you know, against Andy Murray mm, yes. in the quarterfinals, I think it was. And, and Murray, you know, came, came through that match. But, you know, Nakashima certainly tested Murray on that day. And he, again, is a very, very solid player. But what I, Kim, what I enjoyed most or I actually took from that day was afterwards, I saw Nakashima sort of walking around on site and... He was looking at the book stand and he was, he was, he, had, he was having a real hard look at the book stand and also whether to buy a Wimbledon towel. I just thought it was, I just thought it was very funny because I was like, mate, just wait a couple of weeks and I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to get one for free. Well, he does seem like a sweet chap. So he obviously wanted to help the Surbiton <laughs> finances maybe by purchasing <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, we've also, um, we've got some some old school names uh, lined up for the third round as well. And so we've got Kyrgios and Sitspas. So both very much have been at this stage of a grandstand before. Um, this was, I guess, one of the sort of marquee popcorn matches that we saw, you know, as possible when we looked at the draws a couple of days ago. Uh, I thought Kyrgios was going to have a, a much trickier day today. I have to say than he actually did because I thought Philip Kranovich having reached the final of Queens would put up a bit more of a fight um but Kyrgios a lot of people did. was yeah Kyrgios was just um amazing today 62631 uh oh my really God, Kim, did you just describe Nick Kyrgios <laughs> in a positive way well, it was it's hard not to in terms of his tennis. Um, <laughs> you know, he was serving just super, super good. Um, and just obviously in the zone. Uh he's also pulled out of his doubles with with Kokinakis, saying that he wants to fully focus on singles, which is in a way, you know, is this kind of proof that Kyrgios is, is finally kind of trying to be serious about something? I mean I don't want to say he's never been serious before, but I think he's really sensing an opportunity here. You know, he's never lost to Sitspass. Sitspass on grass, you know, it's definitely winnable for Kyrgios. And I think looking at the draw beyond this match, he's got a real good shot to go to go really deep. So, yeah, I I I, I agree with you. I think there's a bit of an insight there in terms of him pulling out of the doubles with, with Kokinakis that he senses a real opportunity here and. You know, he had those comments about the men's doubles at Wimbledon before the tournament about how he, he, I think he, you know, he spoke about it as being a bit of a joke that it's best of five in the men's doubles. And and perhaps that was part of his thinking in terms of, I just, my body, I can't put my body through, you know, double or put this extra strain on, despite, you know, Kyrgios and Kokonakis, you know, having great pedigree on on doubles court, you know, they're Grand Slam doubles champions. Um, But, yeah, I think that is a a smart move. Given, yeah, he might be sensing that opportunity. Sissipas is going to be interesting though because he came through Jordan Thompson, who is quite a handy, I think, quite a handy just general kind of tour player. Again, another player I watched at at Surbiton. But Sissipas seems to have this sort of new approach. I think he's not just sort of turning up to Wimbledon thinking, "Oh, I'll just play like I play on clay courts on a grass court," and that'll take me to the second week no trouble I think he's changed his you know his approach and it's seems to have been paying dividends because you know he won that title his first grass court title last week in Mallorca and now you know I think he's just got because of that I just think it's given him a real confidence boost in terms of coming into Wimbledon and he's not just thinking am I going to survive the early rounds here I think he's more and more excited by the prospect and I think he kind of realizes now that with him on a grass court actually it's it actually they actually work for each other it's not just like I'm good on clay court and that's it his his strokes really work for each other and I think you know his backhand slice particularly I think has been improving you know with his new coaching setup and I think that's helping him 
pull out these victories on the grass. But Nick Kyrgios is going to be a very tough competitor. And I wouldn't, I still would put Kyrgios as the favourite there, I think. Yeah, I think Kyrgios in four or five sets. I mean, that's got to be on centre court, mm. hasn't it? I assume on, on mm. Saturday, that that's definitely going to be a match that we're all getting our, our teeth into. I'm very much looking forward to that one as a as a neutral. Um, we'll see if there's any bad behaviour from Kyrgios. Uh, I assume he, I didn't see his match today, but, but I assume he was well behaved today. <laughs> I can see some sort of coaching thing happening, Kyrgios getting angry about it. We know I think the stakes are raised when the the the, the, the capacity of the stadium uh, is raised. And as you said, Nick Kyrgios on a show court, it's going to be fireworks inevitably, isn't there? So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what sort of fireworks they are. Maybe some bathroom breaks as well uh, <laughs> thrown in <laughs> for good measure. Uh, what else have we had today, though, Joel? We've had uh, Simona Halep coming through against Kirsten Flipkins in straight sets. So former champion Halep still going uh, through into the third round. Uh, Flipkins has actually retired uh, as well. She announced afterwards that she's uh, calling it a day. Um, and, you know, she's a former semi-finalist here herself and also girls champion but yeah she's uh quitting tennis uh she's i think she's 36 so i you know i guess it's uh time for her to to hang up her rackets but yeah she's um she's been nifty on a grass court i'll give her her g victims but it was a tight tight match seven five six four today so she bowed out with with uh you know bit of fanfare yeah, it was a nice, you know, it was a nice match. I mean, Halep was very kind of supportive of Flipkins. I think they're great friends and they had a touching moment, you know, at the net. Flipkins, you know, was close to tears. I think she kissed the grass as well. You know, as you said, she's a, she's a great player. I, I've actually forgot she, she reached a, a, a you know, semi final at Wimbledon all those, all those years ago. And, um, yeah, it was nice to see her just get one last, you know, match and a nice way, I think, to, bow out at Wimbledon against a former champion in, in Simona Halep and a, and a good friend as well. So um, yeah, sad to see Kirsten Flipkins go, but out on a, on a, on a good note. Um, we also had Kvitova and Krachikova Grand Slam champions also through. Kvitova came through against Anna Bogdan Kim. It could have been a lot easier in that second set. She, she was, I think like five, one up or something and was just able to eke it through on the tie break. You did fear for her, I think, if if Bogdan had won that second set. But Kvitova is another player who has just managed to kind of pull it together in, in recent weeks. You know, she won Eastbourne, is on a bit of a streak now. And again, is going to be a player who people are going to be thinking, the more the, the further she can go into the tournament, the more I think we're going to be putting her in. Ooh, could she add another Grand Slam to her tally? Well, I think I put her to win in our uh, preview episode, <laughs> although I have put Sviontek to win uh, on my collector set. So I'm kind of hedging my bets. But talking of streaks, <laughs> Sviontek is now on win 37 because although she dropped a set today, she did beat uh, Patinama Kirkova uh, in three sets on court one. So Sviontek is, is through to fight another day. And uh, I didn't see that match. I, I can't comment on what's happened, um, but you know, I think um, the win is the main thing. Um, and another player who who won today, but, you know, perhaps under the radar, Elise Mertens. Um, she has now reached the third round of every single Grand Slam since the 2018 Australian Open. So um, I think that's that's pretty remarkable because that's a good four and a half years of slams right there. Uh, she had and to she, save... And she- Two yeah. match points, yeah, to get it done against Pana Udvardi, the Hungarian. So three, six, seven, six, seven, five. They came back after that match was delayed from yesterday. I saw about three games of this today, and it did look like a, a, quite a close encounter. So yeah, but I didn't realise Elise Mertens was on such a, a stretch. I know she's very consistent, but um, yeah, good on her. She's uh, definitely won't be betting on her to to lose in any first rounds anytime soon. No, definitely not. And, you know, before, Kim, before we do go to a break, there were, you know, one player who is in the third round, but is perhaps being talked about more with the comments she's made in, you know, a previous PES conference is Elise Cornet, who, um, you know, is, as I said, is into the third round, but came out with these really startling comments that I think maybe were a little bit over-exaggerated. But at the same time, we can't, I think, just 
ignore them. But you know, she was talking about the, the French Open and saying that effectively players were hiding their COVID symptoms. Um, you know, there was a almost like an agreement among players that they were just going to play on um, and just kind of, you know, and kind of just deal with it. And I thought these were very, obviously very timely comments given, you know, what we've seen with with Berrettini, Chilich, Bautista Agu, all pulling out or, or withdrawing because of testing positive. Um, but it's just interesting to hear from, you know, because we don't obviously, obviously get that, locker room insight um that you know that, that players will have and it was interesting to hear those those comments and although she did kind of climb down from them in you know, in, in the aftermath and say you know she said you know it's more that she was just sort of reflecting on that the virus is now sort of part of our lives and we just have to kind of get on with it um it is interesting that you know some players are just not testing and they just want to you know and they're just playing instead because well, I assume that, you know, they just want to stay in the tournament and give themselves a fighting chance, you know, of seeing where that takes them. Yeah. And you can understand why they might do that, if, especially if the symptoms are only mm. very, very mild. Um, and in, in each country, if there's no legal requirement to to test or to isolate, then it's just of the player's own volition, whether they test themselves or not and I you know I know Wimbledon are encouraging players to test if they have symptoms and I, I assume Chilich and Berrettini and then Roberto Bautista have obviously done the, the decent thing and, and done so to, to you know they don't want to put anyone at risk um, but there might be some players who don't feel particularly great and are plowing on regardless I mean you'd have to think if you feel that bad you probably wouldn't be up for for stepping onto the court and and you're not going to be doing very well Um so it's probably better to withdraw and, and look after yourself. But um, there there might very well be players, you know, that that are doing that. So I think sh- what she says probably does have a a grain of truth. I mean, we've we've had a net contivate um, who lost uh, today or, or yesterday. You know, she has, she's had COVID recently and obviously still struggling. And uh, you know, she's not not the player that we know that she can be so you know it's still very much there it can be very serious and I you know hopefully players are still taking it seriously even though you know legal restrictions are not quite the same I don't think there's any enforced testing but I I would hope that players are being respectful about it yeah it's um yeah I I would I would be curious to see what who you know if there is was such like a, a player agreement I would almost feel like it would be amongst the lesser ranked players because i feel like with berrettini and, and chilich and, and rba prize money's not not you know it, it's they've you know they've, they've accrued so much prize money in their career through uh, tournaments sponsorships etc that it's yes it, it, it hurts and it's painful it's heartbreaking uh, you know, as berrettini said but they'll be able to get over it from that point of view but i'm i'm sure that you know there are players you know lower ranked who you know, will be like, this is my one moment and I need to make the most of it and I need to be, and I, I don't want to say I didn't give myself the best opportunity to get as much prize money, you know, to support my career as possible because I had to, you know, take a test and it was positive and I felt like I had to withdraw. So I wonder if those sorts of players who are lower ranked and doing very, very well are are more kind of likely to be like, if I've got a cough or if I've if I'm showing symptoms, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk doing something about that because yes, as I said, this might be my this might be my one shot at at making a name for myself in a, in a grand slam. Yeah, especially if they feel like well enough to play, they probably think, mm. well, I'm not gonna sort of yeah risk that that sort of. Um... The, what the prize money? Not so much the ranking points because there aren't any at the moment for for this <laughs> tournament. But in other tournaments, then there would be. So yeah, I I completely understand the reasons why they would be doing it. Even if many people would would say that's you know not the most moral thing to do. It's you know it's it's you've got to weigh up your priorities, I suppose. Um, but yeah, on that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, but we'll be back in a moment to look back on all of the action from day three at the championships. So do not go anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to our Wimbledon Round 2 catch-up, sponsored by Local Tennis Leagues. And now we're going to move on to day three, Wednesday at Wimbledon. Uh, we had two Brits on centre court, Joel. You were there watching both Emma Raducanu and Andy Murray. Unfortunately, it wasn't the greatest day for, for Britain. <laughs> no, um, no. You saw them both lose. Uh, what was your yeah. opinion? Well, I, well, I, I didn't watch them... I didn't watch them both lose. I watched Raducanu lose on the hill, um, and I managed to sneak in for the yeah oh, the yes, last few games right, of, yes. of Andy Murray uh, against John Isner. I mean, yeah, let's start with with Andy Murray because yeah, he lost to John Isner uh, in in four sets. Uh, Isner won six four seven six six seven six four. You know, for many of our listeners, you know, they'll know the story. John Isner serving unbelievable. He hit 36 aces. I think he served at around 75% first serves in throughout the match. Um, and he just executed his his game plan to perfection. I don't think Andy Murray played a particularly bad tennis match. Um, I just think that John Isner just played a level of tennis that I don't think anyone was really expecting from him at, you know, at, th- at 36 years old. But, you know, he has previous at this tournament you know he's reached a you know semi-final here and um you know he does perform you know on the biggest stage and you know, he does perform on a grass court and I think we've got to remember that yes he's got a, a big serve and you know that gets him lots of lots of cheap points but he's also got a really good touch as well and you know some of the ways he was finishing the point off um at the net you know watching it yes it, it is frustrating I am a you know an Andy Murray fan but You've got to have some sort of appreciation for the way he was also not just relying on that on that serve. Yes, it got him out of trouble, you know, on a few occasions, but the way he he has other weapons as well, I think, is overlooked. Given you know, given his height, given I think what he's you know, built his career on. Um, but yeah, it was still you know, nonetheless, I think, frustrating for you know for everyone there, particularly I think for the organisers as well, given. You know the star power lost on on day three with Murray and Raducanu both losing. As you said, you could feel the effect in in the Wimbledon queue. So it's disappointing from that point of view. But um, yeah, we just got to hold our hat up and say, yep, yeah, John Isner too good on that day. Yeah, and I mean he'd never lost. Uh, sorry, he'd never beaten Andy Murray. Mm. You know, Andy's one of the best returners in the game. So if anyone's got a chance to like return those booming serves of John, is that you know Andy? You know, is one of those people that can do it. But it just wasn't to be. You know, on the day, Isner was better. You know, although he did say afterwards, you know, he he said, uh, you know, Andy Murray is definitely a better tennis player uh, all round. But obviously, on this particular day, um, Isner got the job done um yeah it's sad but I think not not a massive surprise seeing those two meeting so early in the draw when, when we were looking at you know mapping out Andy's path I think Andy I think he you know he will be frustrated that and I think he, you know he touched on it in his his com- press conference afterwards was that he wasn't obviously seeded and as a result he was going to get someone like this you know early on in the competition and Although I think there will be a lot of people out there who would have looked at Andy Murray's tennis, particularly in that John Isner match, and, and said he's playing tennis that is better than than going out in in round two. The fact that he was unseeded, I don't think, helped him. And he's already spoken about his ambition going on to the you know into the to the American hard courts is that he wants to be seeded going into Flushing Meadow. And you know the positive I will take from this performance is that I think he's playing tennis that should be able to get him in that top 32 you know for a seeding you know I'm pretty positive about that if he plays you know the the right number of tournaments can get the you know right numbers of victories I don't think there's that that big of a that big of a gap but yeah I just think you you just open yourself up when you're you're not seeded to you know everyone else in the draw and it's unfortunate he just came into a a John Isness serving like he was in in round two. I was wondering if he might enter the doubles, but obviously that's that's not happening. Uh, would have been nice, but I suppose he was all focused on the singles prior mm. to the tournament, so he hadn't signed up. But he has signed up for Labour Cup. That was announced uh, a few days mm. ago. So got Andy, Andy joining the crew for Team Europe in September in London. Um, talking about other Brits, though, yeah, Emma Raducanu was up against Caroline Garcia. Uh, 
on the match before Andy Murray against John Isner. Uh, this was straight sets to Garcia, 6-3, 6-3. Caroline Garcia is now on a seven-match win streak. Kim, I'm just shaking my head as you're reeling off all these stats. I'm just really, I'm just shaking my head at this result. The renaissance is well and truly <laughs> underway. Uh, I, I told you after that French Open doubles I win, I told you and that... And you keep telling me. And you keep telling me. <laughs> so I shouldn't get smug about this. But um, yeah, Caroline Garcia um, just definitely played better. Um, you know, normally I think with Garcia, when she's up in matches, she has a tendency to throw it away and you know just capitulate but that did not happen um it was definitely very much on her racket and she she got the job done um I mean I was lying in the park in Wimbledon I didn't watch this match but I've seen highlights and um heard from people who were there so I would have loved to have seen it but I was you know queuing for the next day uh they need they need to put up big screens I think in the queue that way I can definitely watch more tennis I'm I'm surprised (laughs) that's not a, a thing um, yeah, that might make yeah. more people queue again. So maybe not. Um, but yeah, what what did you make of Emma's performance? Do you think? I think Garcia, you know, she hit more winners. Um, she hit 24 in total. She won 71% of points played on her first serve. Uh, she was very, very good at the net. She came in, wasn't phased by the occasion or, you know, the opponent and just executed her, her game plan. I think she brought more power to... Uh, you know, Radicanu. And I think what surprised me was I thought this sort of player is the sort of player that Radicanu likes to face. Hits a hits a hard ball, pace coming at you, aggression. I think Radicanu likes that that type of ball to to hit back. So it was surprising to me that, you know, Garcia was just able, I felt, to just take control of the rally, you know, early on in in in, in the points and you know was able to, you know, just just win just continually win points and and Radicani really wasn't creating as many opportunities as, as I thought she would um you know on the on the Garcia serve and I think ultimately Radicani's maybe lack of maybe not lack of power but she just wasn't able to come up with an answer to you know what Garcia was was throwing at her and I think pace maybe was uh you know was an issue that I wasn't necessarily factoring in you know going into the match and uh you know Caroline Garcia is a a good player on her day and she's got excellent grass court pedigree pedigree she is a player who I feel like she's not really done much over the last you know last last couple of years she has her she has her moments but those moments tend to come on a grass court because you know she is now on a seven match win streak she was um you know she won in she won sorry in, in Bad Homburg in, in Germany last week now you know into the you know the third round at Wimbledon and you know the last time you know she went on such a win streak was back in 2019, but it was also on the grass courts across uh, you know Nottingham and Mallorca. So she does like the grass. So it's not to, it's not maybe as that much of a surprise, but I think it's just disappointing given you know Emma Raducanu back, seemingly no fitness worries, and felt like maybe she could have gone a bit further. Yeah, sort of out as on a bit of. a of a damp screw, I suppose, for mm. British well, fans. She was very was positive about it. More. Yeah, she said afterwards, you know, she's only 19, she's won a Grand Slam. So mm. even if she retired tomorrow, you know, she still, like, achieved, a, a you know, astronomical amount for, for a British, you know, woman. And, like, she is so, so young. Like, so I, I hope that she's not being too hard on herself. It sounds like she's got a good attitude and still very early days what is funny kim is she's regardless of this result she is going to enter the top 10 i believe after wimbledon finishes she's going to enter the top 10 rankings obviously for the first time so there is that little bit of of positivity there but at the same time i am you know this this pressure or so-called pressure that you know she you know she doesn't feel and she doesn't even think it exists quite frankly but Come US Open, the final Grand Slam of the season, she's got 2,000 points to defend. I, I don't care if she says there's no pressure at the moment. When she's going in as, as Grand Slam champion with 2,000 points to defend, I think there is going to be pressure there. And she is, you know, she's very kind of carefree, I think, in her, in her approach. And I think that's great because it means that she can sort of 
compartmentalize all of this stuff going on around her and she can just focus on her game but i think the closer we get to flashing meadow and now going into eventually that you know the us open sorry the american hardcore swing i do think there's going to be more like tangible pressure as we get to that year anniversary of what i would say is obviously her her best achievement in the game so far so you know i don't think she can I don't think she can kind of go on and say it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Cause I think it will exist the closer we get to, to New York city. Yeah. I don't know if those 2000 points, what that would actually mean, practically speaking for her ranking, like how far she would drop. I suppose it depends how well she does, but um, as long as she, you know, I mean, she's, I know she's going up into the top 10. I don't think it will make much difference apart from, I guess, ticking off, the top 10 club uh but you know as long as she's like seeded for tournaments and slams that that's the main thing um so caroline garcia is into yeah the third round she's got zhang shui next she'll be hoping to to win that one to make the fourth round at wimbledon for the second time i think it was five years ago she last reached the last 16 so fingers crossed the renaissance continues joel um <laughs> over on the other side of things yesterday we've had uh, carlos alcaraz uh, winning in straight sets over Talon Griegspor. He'll be playing Oscar Otter uh, tomorrow. Now, Oscar Otter, I think his opponent um, like withdrew or, or retired very, very early on, so he didn't really have a match. But I think Oscar Otter could beat Alcaraz tomorrow. He's really dangerous. I think he's in very good nick and he loves the grass court. Yep. I agree with you. I'm I'm all over upset alert uh, for tomorrow for Carlos Alcaraz. Um, Yannick Sinner as well beat Emer of Sweden in four sets. So he's into round three. He'll actually face John Isner. Um, so be interesting to see if how Yannick Sinner handles the, the John Isner serve or if the John Isner serve stays at the level it was, um, you know, in, in the match in, in, in round three as it did against uh, Andy Murray in round two. But we also had Cam Norrie as well, uh, you know, come through against Jaume Munar in five sets. So it wasn't all doom and gloom, you know, on that on that day. Yes, Radicanu and Murray lost, but Cam Norrie was able to come through eventually in five sets. I was impressed, Kim, by this victory because he was two sets to one down. And I was I was really kind of like, this is turning into a nightmare because he should not be losing to Jaume Munar on a show court at Wimbledon. He was not, Munar was zero and nine going into Wimbledon on grass. So I was really kind of like, come on, Nori, pull, pull your finger out. And I was impressed with how he endured his durability as that match went on because Munar suffered from cramp. He was getting, you know, massages on his leg on, on changeovers and Nori was just continuing and, ultimately he just sort of ran away with it in set four and set five so I'm, I'm happy he was able to come through that yeah I know they played doubles together here a few years ago so I think perhaps Munar knows Nori's game quite well uh, which I don't know if that was a reason why he did pretty well against him but they they were a pretty good doubles pairing I watched a few of their rounds a few years back but yeah Cam Nori is into the third round and will be playing tomorrow I'm really hoping he can go one step further he's got Steve Johnson next who um kind of demolished Ryan Penniston in in three pretty easy sets as well so a bit of a shame that Penniston wasn't able to make too much of an inroad there um we've had uh Harmony Tan uh who you know obviously beat Serena Williams late uh on that Tuesday night uh she won through again today actually against Sara Cerebus Tormo so she's backed up that win over Serena I think she's got Katie Balter next so that is uh I think a winnable match for Balta. Um, but I mean, is Harmony Tan going to be the revelation of this tournament? I don't know. Perhaps she already is. Um, there was a bit of umbrage though uh, by her her doubles partner, Tamara Corpatch, who I think actually lost to Heather Watson in the singles. Uh, they were due to play doubles together, her and Harmony Tan. But Harmony Tan withdrew from the doubles and Corpatch was not pleased. She put up a post on social media saying that it wasn't fair, that she was really sad and disappointed that she couldn't play her first uh, Grand Slam doubles event. Um, that, you know, Harmony Tan had withdrew because of her late match against Serena. But the fact that Corpatch had actually played six and a half hours in one day and was still wanting to compete in the doubles. So a bit of, bit of hoo-ha, bit of aggro. 
They've um, sorted it out, Kim. They sorted, made it was, up. This was the real drama. <laughs> this was the real drama over round two because Corpatch came out today with another statement saying, hey, everyone, me and Harmony have talked and figured out all misunderstandings. She made me clear about her injury now and we already apologised to each other. So nice to see that they have made up. I was not, when I saw this, I, Kim, I was actually thinking about Kyrgios and Kokonakis and in terms of when Kyrgios probably told Kokonakis, you know, I, you know, I want to focus on the singles and Kokonakis obviously went out to, to Djokovic early in the, sing, in the uh, sorry, playing with Kokonakis in the doubles. Uh, but Kokonakis going out early in the singles to Novak Djokovic. I wonder what Kokonakis was thinking. I was sort of hoping for another Instagram story sort of press release comment to Nick Kyrgios. Like more of maybe in a jokey way, but I was I wouldn't have put it past like Cocky to make sort of fun of this and make his own sort of press release statement. Maybe they could have a last minute scratch pairing for partners who have been dropped by their uh, <laughs> other partners. Or maybe Cock and Tan Oh, not Cock and Dan, Cock and Corpatch. It's a bit of a mouthful. Could form a mixed doubles pairing, like the rejected partners. The rejected oh, rejected mixed doubles pairing, yes. <laughs> and more aggro uh, as well, Joel. Court 17 yesterday, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina um, found himself match point down against Yuri Vesely. They had a very long five set match, four hours, you know, going strong. And match point down, Davidovich Fakina um, got a point penalty uh, from Carlos Ramos, the umpire, for ball abuse, for hitting a ball into the crowd. Um, so that was how the match ended, uh, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but, you know, rules are rules and you can't go can't go abusing those balls. So I hope he's learned his lesson. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a, a sort of scandalous way to, mm. to lose, a, lose a match. He accepted it very, very well because I feel like there would be other players who that would have happened to that wouldn't have accepted it in in such a way. I do, I do think by the letter of the law it was correct. And you know, listeners, go search search for yourself if you want to have a look and and make your own opinion. But I certainly think that it was quite clear he belted the ball out of the out of the court and he'd already had a warning. So you know, I think his argument, I think you know to the umpire was to Carlos Ramos was yeah but it's a different type of infraction but that doesn't matter it doesn't matter what type it is and second infraction equals a point penalty so I totally am on the side of the umpire here and yeah I wonder if Fakina will go away and thinks about maybe what what he did because I think he'll be disappointed that he just wasn't he didn't he as a player let himself down by not giving himself the opportunity to finish the match. So, yeah, I think he'll be a little bit disappointed with that. The one thing, Kim, that I was a bit, like, <laughs> wary of, if you do watch the the footage, there is a spider going across the lens uh, whilst this point was taking place, and it's just, like, obscuring the view. It's, it's all very, it was just all, it was just all a very bizarre moment, really, for, for Wimbledon. <laughs> cameramen need to uh, watch out for those spiders um yeah i'll have to go back and watch that as specific footage could you imagine going up to you know after a match you know with one of those nice like colored pens to write a a (laughs) philosophical message like sisypas on the on the camera and there's like a a massive spider there tarantula (laughs) yeah yeah, just like building a spider web uh on, on the on the lens well, I would. I know this might be very stereotypical, but I'd hope it was like an Aussie player then, because they'd probably know what to do with it if it was a massive. <laughs> I would run spider. a mile, Kim. I'm not gonna lie. I would run a mile. I hate spiders. Uh, I would just be like, I'd, I'd actually probably just like point to one of the, the the ball persons and be like, "Can you deal with this for me, please?" They have many duties, not just uh, <laughs> gathering balls and throwing them to people to serve um yeah like, i mean let's uh let's what other what else happened casper rude lost didn't he uh yesterday uh muguruza has lost uh so some big seeds out i mean muguruza is just in a, the real doldrums at the moment uh six four six love to greet minnen uh of belgium i mean what is going on with with muguruza you know yeah, former champion just shocking i know i know I mean, and, and do you know, I, you know, I was, I was in the grounds and just, you know, minding my own business, walking down one of the gangways and Muguruza walked past me the other way uh, post defeat and her, you know, her head was, you know, obviously this was in the right, 
immediacy of defeat. You know, her head was down, you know, body language was really poor. There was no one around her. It was just kind of like she wanted to just get off and, you know, have the, you know, have the world like swallow her whole. It, it, it just felt she was just in this very isolated place, like on her own island. And it's just not a, it's not nice, I think, to see seeing players, you know, having these difficulties and these moments. And, you know, that match against Minnan, that, that second set particularly, you know, she got bageled. It lasted, I think, lasted 18 minutes um, or there or thereabouts. And, you know, I do think she just wanted to get off the court as, as quick as possible. And she's going to need to, you know, I think maybe she takes some some time off to to re to regather and and recuperate and and maybe rest. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on in her camp. She, you know, she did put out an Instagram message today to just kind of acknowledge the you know the struggles that she's in, and she hopes that there will be you know a brighter future. But um, yeah, it's 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 difficult to to see for her at the moment. I've got an idea. I think she should start playing doubles, win a Grand Slam and go on a renaissance <laughs> like Caroline Garcia. Oh there we go. God. She's not that, not, <laughs> not just there yet, Kim. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, Casper Ruud, he lost to Ugo Umber. I don't think that was a massive surprise. I think it was four sets. Um, Umber, you know, probably has a bit more pedigree actually on a grass court having won Haller uh, previously. Uh, Jessica Pagula beat Harriet Dart today. Dart got the first set though. Thought that was a pretty decent effort. But Pagula, yeah, she's very consistent at Grand Slams, isn't she? So um, not a surprise that she came through in the end. Um, but yeah, I think that that brings us pretty much uh, to a close. I think the main results uh, from the last two days. But Kim... Is this an addendum, an important addendum? It is. Well, yeah, it's nothing to do with any of the matches, but we oh, do need okay. your all-important collector set predictions because you were too busy in a in a in your tent making making tea from a pot or something. I guess. Uh, I, we, you know, you're not you're not allowed to bring stones. <laughs> oh, you not? Joel. Oh, no. okay. Did you just order a takeaway to your tent? No, there's there's like loads of food outlets. Oh, so there? there's a okay. Wimbledon. God, Park I'm so out the... of touch. I'm yeah, so you, out of touch aren't I, with the queue. I would have just got a delivery. The park. No, <laughs> you, well, you can do, but um, there's a nice 24-hour cafe in the park that does mm. that does tea okay. all over, all, all through the night if you want it. So we do have our mod cons in the queue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my collector set, I, I shall reveal them. Uh, obviously, Berrettini's a no-go, but I, I had to put him in the final. Um, I've, I've already got some of the other ones wrong, though. I've got Kyrgios wrong. I said he would lose in the second round. That has not happened. <laughs> I mean, that um, was quite emphatically the wrong answer. <laughs> I mean, I was disappointed in Krajanovic, not going to lie. Uh, Serena, I had in the round two as well to lose, but obviously she lost a round before that. Um, I've still got Svantec and Coco Goff, though. Uh, Svantec I've put to win. Goff I've put in the semi-final. Uh, and Rafa I've put in the fourth round. So I've, I've sort of predicting him to go a little bit further. And obviously, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes a lot further than the fourth round. But I just, I, I was, when I made these predictions, yeah, I mean, I still am a bit sceptical about his foot and his, you know, prowess on the grass after three years off. So we will see how they go. Uh, we'll we'll post an update on the weekend with everyone's collector set predictions. Uh, let's let's give the third round a go and see. Uh, how things fare after that. Uh, let's look at tomorrow's order of play, though, Joel, because we've got centre court um, on Jabor against Diane Parry, followed by Djokovic Kekbanovic, all Serbian affair, and then Cam Norrie against Steve Johnson. So hopefully we will have another Brit winning on centre like we had with Balta today. Yeah, I think oh, I think that's a very good draw for Cam Norrie. I think his part of the draw is very very open. So yeah, I'm hoping he can kind of come through that. Don't suspect any sort of troubles. Djokovic looked very good, you know, in his round two match. I think he's just yeah in the groove as is on Jabor. Number one court, we've got uh, Heather Watson versus Kai Yuvan opening up, followed by Kerber versus Mertens, which sounds like Kim a perennial like <laughs> round three round three Grand Slam match. Um, followed by Oscar Otter versus Carlos Alcaraz. So 
you know, interesting, an interesting set of matches. Dare I say more interesting on number one court than, mm. than on centre. Yeah, um, I agree. I would I would be rather on court one tomorrow than centre. Mm. Like, no offence to, to those six players on centre. <laughs> I think Kerber Mertens could be quite fun. I think I, that could go three sets. I think you'll get nice, entertaining rallies in that. And yeah, Heather Watson, British interest. Kai Yuvan, that's a really good opportunity, I think, to make your first fourth round um at Wimbledon so I'm really really hoping that happens both unseeded both will think that's a big opportunity and then yeah Oscar Otter Carlos Alcaraz I'm I'm back in Oscar Otter here I think I think he will I think he might get the job done I'm also hoping for a victory for Tim van Reithoven who is uh up against Nicholas Basilashvili so you can keep saying his name like that incorrectly yeah but he's um first on court 12 so if I was going tomorrow which I'm not um I've got to work unfortunately I would be heading to that one you know wild card still going strong uh let's hope he can uh continue and uh yeah Caroline Garcia also last on court three so very um intriguing everyone's favorite dark horse as well Maxine Cressy Two sets mm. down to Jack Sock today. That will be continued and finished tomorrow. Are we going to see Maxime Cressy go out um, to Jack Sock of all people? Is this Jack Sock's renaissance, perhaps? Well, qualifier Jack Sock as well. So, um, yeah, I was expecting more from him in the doubles as opposed to the singles. I think him and he's teamed up with Cuddler. I think they've already dumped out one seeded pair so um yeah he seems to be having a good time of it on the grass courts at Wimbledon so far but listeners I hope you've enjoyed listening to this round by round catch up with Tennis Weekly make sure to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action from Wimbledon on whatever device you listen to us on we are on Apple Podcasts Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Let us know all your thoughts about all the action at Wimbledon this fortnight and any questions you've got for us on the show as well. If you prefer, you can email us at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Saturday at Tennis Weekly HQ to wrap up all the action from round three at Wimbledon. So I hope you can join us then. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.